Now, Sandalphon, the twin brother of Metatron, master of heavenly song. And Metatron is the angel of mystical theology, who is also who Enoch becomes in the Pseudopigrapha after he goes through all these series of initiations. And so Enoch, he who walked with God, ends up going through all of these travels through the heavenly spheres. He goes through a bunch of these really cool initiations. He becomes Metatron, this amazing archangel of mystical theology. And this is, you know, Metatron, who Metatron's cube, and there's all kinds of the sacred geometry around Metatron and all this mm -hmm. stuff. And he has this twin brother named Sandalphon, and he's the master of heavenly song. So we have the sacred geometry with Metatron and with Sandalphon, we have the music of the spheres. And that's a real harmony, a synergy between the two. Mm -hmm. And then we go into the 24 elders. This is from the Holy Bible, the King James Version, Revelations chapter 5. So, and one of the elders saith unto me, weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came back and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 20,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and 20 elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. And so we have the 24 elders that fall down before the throne of God and worship God forever. And that is their angelic role in the heavenly spheres have you had experiences with the 24 elders at all or? i've seen them i have they don't really speak you just kind of watch them from afar <laughs> you know they're very holy beings, and their role is that they give glory to god and worship it's an honor to see them you know the beings that are around the throne are very quiet mm -hmm. there is a power and a presence whenever you're in the throne room so to speak and then usually there's a purpose for you being there in the throne room so it doesn't happen very frequently but when it does you're just in a state of holy awe about everything that you might see and then so you might see like out of the corner of your eye you see these things and then you are swept into the essence of what it is they have brought you there for. At least in my experiences, these beings did not speak to me or anything. They're worshiping. Well, let me ask you real quick. Okay, so, so mm -hmm. far, we're almost halfway through the outline. 
And we've spoken about Dionysius and the hierarchy of angels, the Ophanim, the angels of the throne, the Kadishim, the seat of judgment. We talked, we spoke of the Merkaba, the nine choirs, and the three triads, and the angels of the seven heavens, and now the 24 elders. And so having spoken about all of this so far, how do you feel in your own experiences that you relate to the scriptures, the holy writings, and such in regards and in relation to your own experiences? Well, to me, this is almost like, you know, and we did move past, let's see, I think Dionysius ended right about probably at the end of the lowest triad, the principalities and the angels of the principalities. And then we went into the angels of punishment and that went into different texts, just okay, so people yeah. know. And so the way that I would say is it, to me, it's like a map. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, ironically, I always kind of felt like my writings were kind of like a map too. You know, it's providing a map for people of, these other worlds on the other side to people of what is out there, some of the things that are out there, because obviously there's so much more that I have not experienced or written about. So to me, it, it provides a maps, you know, an overview of a map. And that's kind of what we're doing. But I would also say that my own experiences also provide kind of like a separate map that, but the two, merged together so do you, you feel know? like there's an energetic connection that you have with everything that we've spoken of so far where you kind of yes so energetically like yep this is on point with how i energetically am connected to it yes yes and you you might experience it in a way in the out-of-body travel experiences you may not always know exactly who you're encountering right away but if you're keeping a journal and then you're able to look back over time sometimes it falls into place and in where you figure it out and then there are other times where it's obvious who you're dealing with you know what i mean mm -hmm. sometimes too it comes with the study and this is part of the reason why the study is important you know just, you know, saying, I'm just going to go do this and I'm not going to study anything and I'm, you know, I don't need to, I'm just, you know, the reason why studying is important is because not one of us contains all the knowledge of the world or the universe, but we're, we're just little microcosms, you know, and what God has done by inspiring, you know, all of these things you can't really see that i'm pointing to which is my library you know mm -hmm. all of these ancient sacred texts and the writings of the mystics throughout time he has created this huge map for us and he's given us this diamond which is faceted in all these different experiences of him and by studying these other things and by being willing to learn about theology and mystical theology and the experiences of other souls, not just in your own faith, but in other faiths, you're able to then be more easily taught 
even in the mystical states mm-hmm. because there's a certain arrogance in thinking that God should just educate you about everything through mystical experience alone and that you should not be required to do anything else. But for some reason, a lot of people feel this way. I hear it all the time. So I'll just deal with it and I'm just going to address it. You know, they're like, well, I just don't see why that's, I should have to do that because, you know, God teaches me everything and I know these things. I know them. It's like, okay, well then do you see the, the lack of humility in that? Not just in the fact that you think you know everything, but the lack of cooperation in allowing God to not do all of the work for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, rather than, oh, God already did this work and it's in this little book that I can pick up and read, but no, I'm going to require him to infuse it into me through an out-of-body experience and these other 5,000 books too, rather than requiring myself to do the work of study or, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just require God to teach me everything rather than recognizing that God has gone to a lot of effort over these de- you know eons to inspire all these people to bring forward all these bodies of knowledge that can enhance my training and therefore I am going to be open to receiving that that teaching Mm-hmm. and learning from the experiences of other people as well so these you know these ancient sacred texts and the writings of other mystics of all these different faiths it opens our eyes and our ability to better understand how god may work in our own life and in our own out of body experiences on the shoulders of giants as they say yes yes and so, so I look at this hierarchy of angels in a similar way. We are doing this process of let's, let's form this, this map, this, this uh, framework from which to travel within, you know, which is what we're always kind of doing with everything that we're trying to put forward in these classes, which is giving people the frameworks that they need in their out-of-body travel study to help them to progress further and deeper so that whatever their practice might be, whether they're having out-of-body experiences or if they're not, that their spiritual journey is actually edified and moving forward regardless of that, right? Because even in this, even in the uh, reality of the fact of many people may come to the channel and not have their own experiences. And again, here we are. Well, that's also part of the purpose for this body of knowledge, the body of the books that I was led to write, but also these body of works of all these other people who have had these experiences from throughout time, even the the body of evidence of the near-death experiences that people are putting onto YouTube and things like that, where you can learn a lot about God by just listening to the experiences that people are having 
when they're close to death as well, you know? So all of these things are helpful. So whether you yourself have the experience or not, listening to the experiences of others is still forming you. It's still helping you. And, it, you know, I listen to the experiences of others. I still continue studying daily. Padre Pio was very strong about the daily spiritual reading and about the importance of study, prayer, and meditation on a daily basis. And this is part of the reason why. This is how we maintain our discernment and our ability to continue moving forward. But in the mystical life, one of the things that happened from the very beginning was they started pushing me towards these ancient texts. And then they would tell me, read this one. And then <laughs> they would take something from that. And that would be the basis of my next leap in consciousness to the next out-of-body travel level. It would be, read this, you know? Mm -hmm. and, it, and so, you know, they were actually utilizing, you know, my, my own guardian angels, spiritual guides and guardian teachers. They would utilize things that were actually available on the ground in print to you know, completely energize my out-of-body travel experiences. And so I think that is another thing that people will sometimes overlook. You know, it's like, well, why would I need to do that? This is why. This is why. Because all of these things work together. And so our knowledge of these things are having an understanding of the map of how these worlds are formed and the way the hierarchy goes it all helps us in the out-of-body experience and the out-of-body experience is you know it's a tool to hasten our spiritual journey our mm -hmm. purification it's not you know the end goal or the end game it is a tool for our spiritual purification in this life so all of these things are helping us to deepen our faith and our understanding and our knowledge. And so every one of these things, whether it's what we're doing here, which comes from all these ancient texts, or mm -hmm. even the texts that people are studying on their own, are going to serve that purpose of deepening the wisdom that forms the foundation of each soul's discernment. And it occurs to me that you were guided to go to a certain book, to read a spiritual teacher, Father Padre Pio, whoever it is. And the thing is, is that what I feel when someone is on a soul journey like that, they're being touched by angels and infused with all of this glory information vibrational raising and then they're going for it right so like say padre pio and he's and he's jamming along and then he's like he's having all these uh, i hasten to say breakthroughs but he's having these evolutions in his soul and these teachings and then these angels are just touching him and helping him and guiding him and then he's, he's writing it down and then we get to experience some of that infusion from the angels coming down and spreading some of these teachings from the higher ups, so to speak. Yes. It's coming down, coming down into them. They're like, hey, go over to this guy. 
he was giving this info here. You're like, oh, okay, let me go check that out. So you're doing that, you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And that's helping you to go further on your journey. And then you're just touching upon all these different people, these different cornerstones that are touched by angels. Yes, yes. And that is how it, how it works. You know, we are, sometimes it's even just from seeming coincidences, but I can definitely say from my experiences out of body that a lot of them aren't coincidences. It's things that people just have a instinct towards, but they were told to do it. You know, and in my case, I remember being told to do it. And so now I know that that's what they do. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so this is all part of how we how we actually form our conscience, how we form our whole code, how we form our own ethical foundation and how we form our discernment and all of those things. And, you know, forming this understanding of this map of the spiritual worlds, but it's also how we prepare and create that foundation from which the spiritual purification emerges and whether the out-of-body experiences emerge and in what manner. Because, you know, there is a lot of stuff out there that is very focused on just having an out-of-body experience. There's a ton of it now mm -hmm. where it's gotten really, really, where it's just, you know, let's bop out and hang around the room. And, and they really just focus on that. Yeah, it's not we the goal. want, yeah, what we want is for people to understand that that's, that's, you know, that's really not even, I mean, that's step, you know, point one of one, <laughs> you know, we want people to understand that there's so much more than just that. That's just like, okay, neat, but there is so, so much more. And in order to uh, grasp that gold, you have to be willing to take it to a much deeper level and you have to be willing to go into some of the stuff that a lot of the people who are kind of embracing it on a more casual level are going to think is irrelevant, mm. archaic. Why would you need religion? Why do, why do you need any of that stuff? That's the old stuff. And what I would say to that is that God doesn't change. We do. Society does. But God doesn't change. So we have to follow where God leads us, not where, you know, the latest fads do. And so we're sticking with the program. We're sticking with the original intent and what we're being led, what I'm being led to do, which has always been the original intent of everything I've written. And that's always going to be towards that union with God that goes into these higher worlds and it just goes into a whole lot more than these basic experiences where you're just kind of playing around with it. And these hierarchies are part of creating this structure, this, this fabric to prepare a soul to be able to start traveling into these bigger areas rather than just kind of bopping around the astral plane. The Magnificent Seven, that's so cool. <laughs> that was yeah. a movie, right? Magnificent Seven? 
It was, but it wasn't about this Magnificent Seven. Okay. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know. They're talking about the Magnificent Seven. They're talking about the Archangels, because there are seven Archangels, starting with Michael, he who is as God, the conqueror of Satan, ruler of the virtues, chief Archangel, prince of the presence, angel of repentance, righteousness, mercy, and sanctification. Among the holy archangels, there are particularly distinguished in holy writ Saints Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Saint Michael, whom the church honors, was the prince of the faithful angels who opposed Lucifer and his associates in their revolt against God. As the devil is the sworn enemy of God's holy church, Saint Michael is its special protector against his assaults and stratagems. This holy archangel Michael has ever been honored in the Christian church as her guardian under God and as the protector of the faithful. For God is pleased to employ the zeal and charity of the good angels and their leader against the malice of the devil. And then there is Saint Gabriel. God is my strength, the angel of the Annunciation, Resurrection, Mercy, vengeance death and revelation this is probably i believe this was from a, a first point from saint thomas of aquinas the first point is that the angel saint gabriel saluting our lady announced to her the conception of christ our lord the angel entering where mary was saluted her saying hail full of grace thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shalt bring forth a son and that of course is the the main thing that saint gabriel is remembered for and then there's saint raphael god had healed raphael this is from john milton's paradise lost raphael at the request of adam relates how and wherefore this world was first created that god after the expelling of satan and his angels out of heaven declared his pleasure to create another world and other creatures to dwell therein, sends his son with glory and attendance of angels to perform the work of creation in six days. The angels celebrate with hymns the performance thereof and his reascension into heaven. And then there's Uriel, Saint Uriel, who is the fire of God. And so from the book of Enoch, it says, and I proceeded to where things were chaotic, and I saw there was something horrible. I saw neither a heaven above nor a firmly rounded earth, but a place chaotic and horrible. And there I saw seven stars of the heaven bound together in it, like great mountains and burning with fire. Then I said, for what sin are they bound, and on what account have they been cast in hither? And then Uriel one of the holy angels who was with me and was chief over them and said, Enoch, why dost thou ask and why art thou eager for the truth? These are of the number of the stars of heaven, which have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and are bound here till 10,000 years. The time entailed by their sins are consummated. And from thence I went to another place, which was still more horrible than the former, and I saw a horrible thing, a great fire there which burnt and blazed, 
and the place was cleft as far as the abyss, being full of great descending columns of fire. Neither its extent or magnitude could I see, nor could I conjecture. Then I said, how fearful is the place and how, how terrible to look upon. Then Uriel answered me, one of the holy angels who was with me, and said unto me, Enoch, why hast thou such fear and affright? And I answered, because of this fearful place, and because of the spectacle of the pain. And he said unto me, this place is the prison of the angels, and here they will be imprisoned forever. And then there's Raguel, who is the friend of God. In the book of Enoch, Raguel is one of the seven archangels whose function is to take vengeance on the world of the luminaries who have transgressed God's laws. Raguel brings a course of fire which persecutes all the fallen luminaries. Raguel also shows Enoch the seven mountains and in the midst of it, the high mountain, which is the throne of God, for the Lord of glory will sit along with the tree of wisdom. Raguel is found in the revelation of John as the angel of the church in Philadelphia. That's from Revelations 3.7. This angel can also be attributed to the sixth angel in Revelations 9.14. Raguel watches over other angels to make sure they're working well together with mortals in harmonious and orderly fashion according to divine order from Revelations 3, 7 to 13, and will. Raguel brings all the other archangels and angels to account for their improper deeds. So most people probably know what purgatory is, but that's the place where souls go to undergo purification after death of whatever is still remaining on their souls that needs purification. And so that's Remiel. And, you know, the Blessed Mother is also very involved in that area of purgatory as well. And then there's also Sariel, who is involved in the fallen archangels. So he is apparently one of the fallen archangels, Sariel. So here we have something again from the book of Enoch, but the, I think it's from the book of Enoch. It's written by Enoch, the patriarch. And so here we go. And it came to pass when the sons of men were increased, that very beautiful daughters were born to them. With these, the watchmen were in love and burnt with desire towards them, which drew them into many sins and follies. They communed with themselves. Let us say they chose wives out of the daughters of men upon the earth. And so this is in relation to the fallen archangel Serial. So Samiazus, their prince, made answer, I fear, says he, you will not execute your resolution. And so I shall derive upon myself alone the guilt of this impiety. They all replied and said, we will bind ourselves with an oath to perform our purpose and invoke dreadful imprecations upon our heads. If we depart from our enterprise before it be accomplished. So they obliged themselves with an oath and implored an arrest of vengeance upon one another. So they were 200 who in the days of Jared came down upon the top of Mount Hermon. The mountain received that name from the oath by which they bound themselves 
and the imprecations they willfully submitted themselves under. And so among the fallen archangels, there was Sariel, but there were the, there were also princes. And so there were princes that also fell. Yeah, so we have the names of the princes. So there was Samiazus, and he was the chief of the princes. Atarkuf, Arasiel, Shababiel, Horamami, Ramiel, Samsich, Zakiel, Balshiel, Azalzel, Farmerus, Amariel, Anagamus, Thothiel, Samiel, Sorionus, Umiel, Tyriel, Jumiel, and then Sariel, who was a fallen archangel. And so it says that these and all the rest of them took to themselves wives. And so the, that was the cause of the fall of these particular angels. And the giants soon after began to feed upon human flesh, which made the number of men to decrease and sensibly to decay. And so those who were being left behind were harassed with so many instances of wickedness, raised their voice to heaven and implored that their memory might be preserved in the sight of God. And the four great archangels, Michael, Uriel, Raphael, and Gabriel, being affected by their cries, looked down upon earth from the holiness of heaven and beholding a general effusion of blood and a spirit of universal impiety had this communication among themselves. The spirits and souls of men implore our aid in agonies of sorrow. They cry for our prayers to the highest. Then the four archangels calling upon God delivered themselves thus. Thou art God of gods and Lord of lords, King of kings and God of men. The throne of thy glory endures to all ages and thy name is holy and blessed forevermore. A foul blemish of corruption has infected the whole earth and the world full of injustice. Lo, the spirits of the souls of men who have been dead attend thee. Their groans have arrived as far as the gates of heaven and they cannot depart by reason of the exceeding impiety that is committed upon the earth. Yet thou knewest these things be before they were affected. But dost thou see them and say nothing? What must be done upon this occasion? The highest made answer, and the holy great one replied, and sent Uriel to the son of Lamech, saying, Go to Noah and acquaint him in my name. Hide thyself and inform him that the end approaches, for the whole earth shall perish. And tell him a deluge shall overspread the whole earth and all things shall be destroyed upon the face of it. Instruct the just son of Lamech what he shall do, and he shall preserve his soul unto life, and she, he shall be safe in his generation. From him shall a new race be derived and established, and shall continue to all ages. And thus the story of the fallen archangel Sariel, along with the 19 fallen princes, and then the other 180 or so fallen angels 